I'd like to mention two people. One is Shauna Wolf. Uh, her address is given in your, in your bulletin. Um, Shauna has been doing a lot of rehab for a long time. She is supposed to come home today. So I just want to mention that if you're going to send her a card, don't send it up to Menahaven because Shauna will be at her home, and that is in our church address book or on the app. Her address will be on there. But if you do want to send a card to Menahaven, I'll give you somebody else you can send your card to. Our dear Jenny McNulty, who's 90 years old, had to go dancing, and she fell and broke her pelvis. And uh, so she's now at Menahaven Rehab. Um <clears throat> Dancing when you're 90, what do you say? There's a lesson there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. Well, do I have a slide there, Brandon, or whoever's? Oh, I do. You know what? Maybe, uh, I don't know how you turn this thing on, but I've seen people do like this. Maybe if I stretched out my hand toward it. Thank you, Greg. I don't know where the button is. I'm sorry. Be so ignorant. Um, if, you're, if you are a Christian, let me say it this way, God has certain things expected of you. And next week, we're going to talk about that. Because one of them is that we would be thankful to him. God expects us to be thankful. So... I'm going to talk about that next week. We also know, if we're Christians, that those unbelievers around us, no matter what we think about it, no matter whether we think it's right or wrong or fair or unfair, uh, unbelievers have certain expectations upon us or of us, and we talked about this last week. The guy who brought his son to the disciples of Jesus while Jesus was up on the mountain and said, hey... My son is possessed by a demon. Can you pray and cast this out? And it didn't work out. And when Jesus came back, he's a little upset. And he said, I came and, you know, they say they can do things like this. The Christians, they can pray and God answers their prayer. So I brought a situation and I expected that they would be able to help me, but they didn't. We talked about this last week that, uh, that we are expected to be connected Others outside the church have upon us some kind of an expectation about our own profession of faith. And then today, I want to talk about this particular idea, and that is that we in this room have expectations of each other. Okay? Um, we just do. We know because we read the book, how we're supposed to live, or uh, what we believe is possible, or the potential that's there, we, we read this and we say, well, here's the ideal, and I'm going to try to live that. I'm going to try to have this faith. I'm going to try to walk in this kind of humility and truth and, and so forth. But I expect those other believers around me to do the same thing. I'm going to be sincere, but I expect them to be sincere as well. And so we have expectations of our fellow believers. And 
part of the expectation, and this is what I want to focus on, is that if I have a problem, if I have a trial, if I have something that drives me to my knees or fills my heart with tears, and so I'm sad or I'm discouraged or I'm weak or I have failed, in those moments, we expect that others around us, I'm talking about in this room, in the Christian community, would be able to help us. If we're unbalanced, they'd be able to bring us back to the middle and get us balanced again, that they would be able to pull us back from the brink if we're foolish and we're headed towards destruction, that they would be able to teach us and show us we expect this of each other. We are striving to reach a certain bar, and we expect others that they would also be striving. And this isn't a perfectionistic idea that we hold over each other. It's just that when we need help, we long for and expect that others would be able to help us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm comparing this to the... Sorry, i got to keep turning around here. Um, I'm comparing... I'm going to compare this with uh, a person who perhaps has uh, had an accident or had a fall or whatever and something is out of joint or out of whack in their body and they need an adjustment. So they go to this guy we call the chiropractor and he does all kinds of strange permutations around this, this body. But when you leave there, you feel like you can, you, you're, you're, you're a little more adjusted. Whatever was out of joint is now back in joint and so we go to the chiropractor when we're having troubles physically with our skeleton or our muscles or whatever and we say to him I'm here to get adjusted or we that's kind of the idea that we want to get put back in a position of of balance and wholeness well guess what if we get out of a position like that spiritually, if we, if we get injured spiritually, of all the people in the world that we think perhaps would help us, we turn our attention to our fellow believers. I would come to any one of you in this room for help, for healing, for prayer, for, for wisdom, before I would go to someone who doesn't know or claim to know Christ, I don't care if they're rich and famous. I don't care if they're powerful. I don't care if they're a household name. If they don't know Christ, how are they going to help me? And so we trust each other. And the trust that we have is a trust that you're keeping yourself strong enough that you can help me if I need help. So I'm using this phrase, and of course I'm just trying to be a wordsmith here, but we're, we're trusted to be adjusted. People are trusting us to have our act together well enough that we might even be able to help them. And so I'm using the chiropractic thing just as an analogy of the spiritual side of things. What does it mean to be well-adjusted? Well, physically, the chiropractor... What we go to him for, or her, is that we would like to be able to physically handle exercise, handle exertion. In other words, 
We don't want to get up from the chair and collapse on the floor. We say, I'd like to be able to walk across the room, or I'd like to be able to carry my wife across the room, or a bucket, or whatever. If I need to run, or if I need to get out of the way of something, I, I want to be able to be stable enough and balanced enough physically that I can handle whatever life throws at me. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to sleep. I don't want to have pain. I don't want to have joints out of whack that, that are, are causing me a lot of hardship. I, I want you to just put, my, put me together in a way that is stable. That's what we say to the doctor, the, 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 um, to the doctor, the chiropractor, whatever. And we call that in the chiropractic world, uh, it's called uh, giving an adjustment. And, you know, I don't know how many of you go to or have been to chiropractors, but um, I just know that they have a history of cracking your bones and uh, making strange noises and making you do some very strange sits and pulls and twists and turns and stuff. But oftentimes at some point people go, ah. Oh, it sounded horrible, but it feels good. I remember the first time a guy picked me up and cracked my back, what they call crack your back. I didn't even know he was going to do it. He's just a little short, strong, stubby guy. He picked me up and goes, and I mean, he just kind of flipped me like I was a piece of twine. And I heard this terrible racket go up and down my back. But you know what? Felt good when he was done. Okay. Spiritually, I'm saying yes to all those kind of things. That a spiritual adjustment would mean that spiritually, I'm stable and I'm balanced. I'm, I'm able to handle life of the power of the Spirit of God. If something like a wave washes over me, it doesn't wash me out in the ocean. I'm I'm able to withstand it. There's some stability. There's, some, there's something there spiritually that is healthy and whole, and I'm well-adjusted. <clears throat> and that's why you trust me. And I'm not talking about me personally. I'm talking about any of us. We trust each other because we believe that, that God comes to us, changes us, fills us, stabilizes us and therefore we can trust each other to help us with our needs when we have them i'm going to mention just three areas and three scripture verses well first of all this is a verse in second corinthians 4 that i think describes what is a very well adjusted spiritual life paul didn't say that we're in good shape because we don't have trials or doubts or fears or frustrations. He said we're in good shape because when they come, we're not crushed, we're not in despair, we're not abandoned, and we're not destroyed. That's well-balanced person. That's a strong, a strong person that can say, yeah, I got hard-pressed, but I didn't get crushed. The circumstance tried to crush me, but I rolled over, I made myself stiff, or whatever, and, I, and I'm, I'm here. I, I didn't I didn't get killed. I didn't die. I didn't, I didn't give up. I didn't uh, abandon the faith. I still believe. I still hope. With every question that I have, I'm still on my way to heaven. No matter how much uh, opposition that I've had or, or 
problems. I'm simply saying to me, when I read Paul's description of himself, I say, I trust that guy. I, he's, I could trust him to, uh, to be adjusted so that I could, I could go to that person if I needed some, some help myself. Just like we go to a chiropractor and say, can you straighten me up? I kind of, uh, what did I hear? This, um, oh, this, this guy said, well, I didn't believe in chiropractors, and, but my wife made me go to one, and I said, Doc, you can't help me, but I stand corrected. All right, I want to mention three areas, three issues, three expressions um, of this idea that my adjustment can help you, my balance can help you. And the first one is that we trust each other. Someone trusts you to be strong enough to lift up other people. In other words, someone who needs to be lifted up at some time or other is going to trust you to lift them. That's well-adjusted. If you're strong enough to lift others, then you must be pretty well-adjusted, pretty strong yourself. If you look at somebody who, who needs help and you say, I'm sorry, I can't help you because I'm too weak to help myself. Then we're not very well adjusted. In 2 Corinthians 1, is, uh, there's a verse or two I'd like to read there. Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves, here's the term, have received from God. Praise be to God who comforts me now, I'm just going to change the word comfort to strength because I put up here being strong. A, a, a person who's greatly comforted is feeling strong. If a, person is, is, um, if a person is filled with grief, they're weak. But a person who's comforted feels some ca- somehow, a, somehow a strength. So let's just change the comfort to strength. And he says... We give others strength with the strength that we have received from God. So we get this comfort, we draw this strength from God himself. That's why we have it to pass on to somebody else. It's not something that we conjured up within our own self. Well, I'm so strong, I'm strong because I'm smart. I'm strong because I'm, I'm powerful. No, you're not. You're strong because, Paul says, you have received strength from God. And you, in turn, can pass that strength on to others. So, if you're strong enough to lift, if you're strong enough to lift others, then people get what they're looking for when they come for help, when they come and say, I'm so weak, can you give me strength? I'm filled with grief, can you help comfort me? I am so discouraged, can you give me some hope? 
we can give strength to others because we've, we've received strength from God. Uh, I have here in your sermon notes that trials and temptations and grief and things like that pull us down. It's just the nature of things. They don't make us feel stronger. They make us feel more discouraged and more filled with despair. And the need in such circumstances when people are weak is not an argument. Well, if you just do this, you wouldn't have these problems. That may be true. And maybe there's a time and a place to share that with, some, with someone. But in the moment where someone has tears coming down their face, or where they're in, in some desperate crisis situation, it's not the time for an argument. They're sinking down in some kind of quicksand. And it's the time to just get in there with strength and get a hold of them and pull them up. Rather than, rather than try to uh, change this circumstance or make them strong by arguing with them, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> they, they just need the strength of a lift. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul and mercy, to reclaim. From the depths of sin and shame, by grace, he lifted me. That's what this, that's what this song said. Uh, <clears throat> and so my, my point here is that lifting is not possible from those who are weak from either injury or malnourishment themselves. Micah. I just asked Mike if he had helped me out with a, with a skit here that we can maybe illustrate this. So do your thing, Micah. Help. Help. Hey, Micah. How you doing, man? Can you help me? Can I help you? Ha, help you what? Get up. Does it look like I can help you get up? I can't even walk myself. Well, here, let's try. Oh! <laughs> yeah, we'll both end up in the ditch. Sorry, man, you're just going to have to figure out a way to help yourself. Right? <clears throat> if... Others expect us. Others expect us to be strong enough to help them when they're weak. We are ex- we we are we're trusted for that. To, trusted, as I say, to be adjusted. We are strong. Have an obligation. We who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness. Sorry, i got to keep twisting around here, but that's just how it goes. So, we're told to be strong. We're told to be strong in the Lord, in the Scripture. Question, why do you want to be strong? What is the point of being a strong believer? not talking about anything physical, material, even emotional. I'm talking about in faith, in God. What is the reason or the purpose or the benefit of being a strong believer? believer. Maybe you think that's how I'm going to get to heaven. I don't care about anything else. I really don't care about you folks. I just want to go to heaven. Rest of you go where you wish or do what you need, but I'm going to go to heaven and I want to be strong. Okay, 
that's perhaps a reason that some people want to be strong. Maybe some people want to be strong because they want to have an easier life for themselves. You know, if you're, if you're strong, you, uh, you're going to get through the trials and the troubles a little easier than if you're always weak and, and, and filled with doubt and filled with tears and so forth. But what about this? This is what the Bible tells us. That we need to be strong to help others. So this thing isn't just about ourselves. Others trust us. And come to me, come to us at times and say, please, doc, can you give me an adjustment? I don't know if chiropractors are doc. Yeah, I guess they are. Whatever. We're trusted to be able to transfer the strength we have to others who are weak. One of my one of my verses, one of the verses that I love is Romans chapter one verse eleven, where Paul said to those people, "I long to see you." I used to write this on letters to Cindy when the college days. <clears throat> it's back in you know, we actually wrote letters back in those days. Put stamps on letters. We didn't call because that was long distance and you had to pay money for all that. And, you know, it was just such a different world. But I used to love to put this on letters. I long to see you. Okay, that's cool. But what he says at the end of that verse is, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. And that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Paul didn't just want to see him. He wanted to see him to help him be strong. Because he was strong, and he felt that he could rub shoulders with them and make them strong too. Strong enough to lift other people. This is an expectation. Here's a second. Wise enough to teach. I'm watching my clock. I'm, I, I know. Um, wise enough to teach others. Why do other people need to be taught? Well, the search for money and acceptance and purpose and companionship often lead people in this world away from God and leads them into errors. And people do some crazy stuff. And people end up in some crazy places. Not just only physically, but spiritually. And sometimes they're just way off base. Far from what the scripture reveals to us about God. And so they need somebody... To teach them. The search itself makes people gullible, I think. You know, I was talking about this just uh, uh, yesterday with uh, a young guy who's in college. And we were talking about the search that goes on during your college age years. When you're leaving the teenage years where you did what your parents told you or believed what they told you. And you're entering into this new realm where you're your own self and you're figuring out who you are and what you believe and this search that goes on. It's, it's, it's a natural thing. It's going to happen to every single person as they transition into adulthood. But sometimes the search itself leaves people very gullible. Um, I, I think of the difference between, if you think of a hockey game or a um, field hockey or uh, Soccer, where you have a goal, and you have a goalie back there guarding the goal, and it's pretty secure territory because the goal isn't that wide, and they can pretty well reach either side of it if they need to block a ball. 
So as long as that goalie is backed up there in the goal, things are pretty secure. But you know, sometimes the goalie doesn't stay in the goal. Sometimes they got to go out here and they're trying to block something way out here. And while, while they're out here, the ball squirts over here and they're looking around and they don't have any idea where the ball is. And in that moment, man, the goal's wide open and they're very vulnerable because they're out here searching. And it's the same thing with spiritual, with our spiritual life. People get lost. People, um, people wind up very vulnerable spiritually in their thinking, in errors, and, and they need somebody to teach them. And they need somebody to, as, as the scripture says, to admonish them and to teach them. Who do they go to? If they go to unbelievers, uh, they're usually often quite hardened in their attitude and they're not, uh, they're not interested in, in that. So, they, so as, as believers, let me, let me, let me back this up. I, 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 I didn't say it the way I wanted to say it. Unbelievers, a person who does not have the Holy Spirit within them, they can get pretty hard-hearted and they're not going to, they're not going to look for help, for, perhaps. They're just going to keep driving some bizarre, crazy direction. But there's a difference in a person who is a genuine believer. And I'm not talking about any particular church that you might go to. I'm not talking about a tradition. I'm talking about the Spirit of God in your heart, which the Bible says to us is an inner witness. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And this is saying to me that even when a believer gets into error, there's still something always trying to pull them back. And the tool, the resource that it uses is other believers. Here's what Paul said to those people at Colossia. We proclaim him we try to teach everyone because our goal, and this is not about being strong, this is about being, this is about being wise, not smart in street smart sense. I'm talking about wise, wisdom. And he said it's our goal to make every to present everyone perfect. The first one is the idea of lifting somebody up out of a ditch, but this is setting them all now on the right path. Are you balanced enough? Are you adjusted well enough yourself to do that for other people? Because that's what they expect and hope. That you are, you are, uh, have a goal of presenting others perfect in Christ. And he says, you know, I don't have to figure this all out myself and I don't have to work so hard. God gives me energy. I love that verse. It's his energy, and it's working in me. So I don't, I don't have to create this. I don't have to force this to happen. I just let his energy flow into me. And, and it, powerfully, um, they, it, it powerfully does this. Now, I, I just want to stop and say this before I move to the number three. Only, you're only going to teach people. You're only going to be wise enough and want to teach people. If you see who they are, you see their potential, you see the need, and you care about it, and you get up and talk to them. All three of those things are involved in, in, in being wise enough to teach somebody. 
sometimes we can just easily sit there and shake our head and say, boy, I see where they're going wrong. Well, do you care? Have you talked to them? That's, that's a difference maker. Okay, number three, quickly. Passionate enough to motivate other people. In, in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to read this so fast, you're not going to even catch what it says, but that's part of the reason I'm reading like this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this. We ask you, brothers... Uh, I'll start in verse 14. Listen to this. We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everybody, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, always be kind to each other and everybody else, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. Blah, blah, blah. On and it goes. I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of expectations. When you read that, I, just, I get tired reading it. And I say, hold it. I, I, I'm still trying to do the first one up there. And all these things just cascading down on top of each other. It's an incredible range of expectations. But here's the point. Your help is needed because there's, there's, there are those people who don't, who don't realize their error. You are trusted to do that help or to offer help that because of your profession of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you can do it. Uh, the Bible says that we are competent to, uh, to motivate other people who need it. Paul said to the Corinthian people, and they were a, kind of a sorry lot according to some things he said, but he said, you don't lack any spiritual gift that you need. You got it. You just got to do it. So get some passion, get some enthusiasm, and help people to do it. That's his point. That we are confident, or that we are competent. Now, because of that, does that mean that I should be confident? That I can help to motivate other people? Well, I think so, in a sense. We should have some confidence. But here's the big, but here's something more important than that. Confidence in yourself isn't the main ingredient. It's a passion for Christ. If I love Christ, I'll stay adjusted myself. If I get out of adjustment, my love for Christ will bring me back to adjustment. So, so, the, so the chiropractor, I'm saying, if I use this analogy, the chiropractor has the knowledge and the passion to heal himself so that he can keep on healing others. And if the chiropractor gets uh, you know, his elbow out of joint, he probably just goes in there and goes, and, and, and somehow gets it back because he knows what to do. And he has the, he has the enthusiasm, the passion for, for keeping himself adjusted so that he can adjust other people or she can. That's all I'm saying spiritually is, is the same exact thing, this, using this as an analogy. Being confident that you can help others is not nearly so important as just being in love with Christ. And if you are in love with him and you have a passion for him, these other things will take care of themselves. Join me in prayer. I'd like to sing a closing hymn that is, a, is really a prayer unto the Lord. But I want to, I'm going to just quit and say thank you. Thank you so much for your attention. Heavenly Father, um,
we come to you ultimately because we trust you, but we can't sit down and talk with you in the same way we can talk with each other. And so sometimes we have to trust each other. And when we go to one another to be made strong, we're just going to trust that they're already strong. And they can, they can help us with our weakness. And this isn't assuming that anybody is perfect or that anybody is beyond, beyond reproach. It's just, it's just the way we live. We expect that other people who love the Lord as we do can help us when we need it. Maybe it's simply a, a moment of grief because we've lost something or someone dear to us. And we just need somebody else to put their arm around us and say, look, this isn't deep or profound. This is just a matter of love and my presence. And here I am. And I give you this hug in the name of Christ. To, to make us stronger, we trust others to do that. We have the right to trust others to do this because you dwell within us, Lord. And your word says that the spirit is given for the benefit of the many, for the benefit of the body. We don't keep it to ourselves. We share it with other people. And, and so we just come to remind ourselves of this today. Thank you for your help and your empowerment for us as we seek to be well-adjusted ourselves so that we can be trusted by others to help them in their need. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Can you play this song for us one time? Just, yeah. I don't know if we're real familiar with this. Just listen to it. Go in peace and may the God of peace go with you. Amen.